Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. I'm James B., joined as always by... Eddie, I'm back in the hot seat, everybody. And we're going to talk today about an issue that I know for a fact is not one of my co-host's favorite issues. (laughs) The issue is from February 1964. It's Amazing Spider-Man 9. It's called The Man Called Electro. And the splash page, it shows Peter Parker... One half of him and the other half has a Spider-Man costume and surrounded by him on the Peter Parker side is Aunt May laying in bed and Betty Brant looking at him and J. Jonah Jameson looking at him and all the gang with Flash and everybody looking at him. And then on the Spider-Man side, it's an angry J. Jonah Jameson and an unhappy Betty Brant. She's got her back turned to Spider-Man. There's a bunch of policemen questioning and people you know, staring at him and then this guy shooting guns. So it shows like his world divided. Right at the top, there's Electro and he's shooting uh, like electric bolts down there at him. So let's talk about this issue real quick. So Peter rushes home. He has to give Aunt May some medicine while a new supervillain called Electro is testing out his powers on an armored car, which he happens to know is carrying a shipment full of gold. Uh, Eddie, we <laughs> talked offline. Electro, his powers of electricity... I recall, not your favorite, right? Uh, he is he is not my favorite villain to a certain extent. Although, I mean, I, I don't have a huge problem with him. I, I barely had time to defend my lizard. Now, I do like the lizard. Last podcast, I was too flustered by, uh, by last podcast. But, um, you know, electricity is just such a, like, without very precise control, I, I struggle to see how, like, he can do all the things that he does. He really has a, a much better control of electricity than I would say he's entitled to have overall. So I I like his outfit. I do like that. And I like J. Jonah Jameson's purple suit throughout this one again. I, I really dig his purple suits. Yeah, the Electro outfit has not made it into the mainstream movies what, at electric all. Electric suspenders? It's not a thing. Apparently not a thing for the mainstream <laughs> movies, but let's get back to the summary. Um, As I mentioned, Aunt May is waiting for her medicine, and she actually takes a turn for the worse. Um, A visit from Betty should cheer Peter up, but he's very worried about how he's going to pay for this operation. There's no Medicaid or Medicare. Back then, it's an all-cash business, except when it comes to paying Spider-Man, of course, because then you need a social (laughs) security number, but that's a whole other story. Well, one guy who has no financial woes is Electro, That's because he robs the Forest Hills Bank. And uh, soon thereafter, J. Jonah Jameson convinces everyone, of course, that Electro is Spider-Man. Sure, why not? Everyone is Spider-Man whenever J. Jonah Jameson is not sure what to do, right? (laughs) Why not? The guy. The solution to Peter's problems could be the reward money for capturing Electro. Uh, I'm going to read something. It's at the bottom of page eight. It's three panels. And it says... Minutes later, in Jameson's private office at the Daily Bugle. A thousand dollars! Do you realize what you're asking? What on earth do you need it for? It's a personal matter, Mr. Jameson, but it's very important. Sure, sure! You probably saw a hot rod you want to buy. I never lend money, Parker. You should know that. But if you can bring me photographic proof that Spider-Man is Electro, I'll gladly give you the money. Say, that gives me an idea. Exactly 50 seconds later. What a fool I am. There's a big reward for Electro's capture. If I can nab him, I won't have to beg the money from anyone. So Peter puts on his Spider-Man costume, sets up his camera, takes some pictures of Electro robbing a bank, 
and then uh, makes a mistake of actually touching him. Am I mistaken, or does Electro feel bad that Spider-Man has touched him and now he's laying on the ground in shock? It, this is this is a stunning kind of thought bubble from a villain. Like uh, he doesn't he, he does seem very concerned about how Spider-Man feels, but I, I'll go like. Electro electricity is such a tricky thing, I guess. Overall, I I struggle once again with like how how Electro can really control his electricity. I mean, I guess he must have been quite the lineman because he really understands electricity very well. But um, yeah, he's like worried about Spider Man, and I I don't know why. Why would why is he so concerned? Everybody else wants to kill him all the time, and they don't even check in whether he's dead or not, <laughs> do you? so. Well, you mentioned that he must have been quite the lineman. That his backstory is that his powers came while he was working as a lineman. And in that story, it also shows that he's definitely a cheapskate. Uh, He's not a very good person unless money is involved. But regardless, the electricity strikes and he gets his power. And like I said, it's definitely reinforced that he will do anything for money. Uh, Speaking of money, Peter sells fake photos to J. Jonah Jameson to pay for the surgery. Now, last time I saw him selling fake pictures, he was jumping around, throwing sand in the air, pretending to fight the Sandman. (laughs) But this is different. He sets up like a whole thing where Spider-Man and Electro are the same person. At the same time, Peter is waiting for the Aunt May operation. Uh, Electro is thinking, hey, no problem. Uh, Spider-Man's not here to bother me. I'm going to go break inside this detention center and I'm going to go form a gang. Uh, We jump back and forth in the stories. Uh, We learn the Aunt May operation is a success. We learn that Betty Brant really likes Peter because he's not heroic. Eddie, where were these girls back when I was in school? Um, (laughs) Seriously, though, she wants a non-heroic guy. It's implied that someone in her past might have been heroic, causing an unhappy memory for her. Eddie, what are we talking about here? What What do you think? Eddie, I know no. you haven't read far enough to, have to really know the truth. So, so uh, yeah, I, I, I'll just reiterate one thing about me yeah. and Spider-Man in this podcast. I I read through these as a kid, kind of piecemeal here and there. They were um, things from my my um, my mom's generation that were at a cabin uh, in the woods. So I read through them pretty thoroughly there, but I purposely am really focused on just reading through these one at a time and kind of seeing the mystery going on. So what what is Betty Brant talking about? I really enjoy that she's like like the character development that takes place in this this comic and the character development that takes place um, we did. I did read a little bit ahead um, for today uh, in the future for her, but she's really like concerned about how how much Peter is endangering himself. He's Peter's always being told not to go endanger himself by so many different people. It's remarkable um, all throughout. But you know, James B, I I also don't really know what's going to happen to Betty Brand. I'm very interested to find out. That's for sure. Okay, so wrapping up this story, Electro and his gang face Spider Man who after only four pages takes out Electro with a hose full of water. That's correct. Just like the Wicked Witch of the West, the all-powerful villain of the tale is eliminated by a little H2O, the same weapon used to baptize babies. (laughs) He gives the new pictures to J. Jonah Jameson, who says, I'm robbing him. I'll make a fortune with these pictures, but I deserve it because he's a fool. Um And this proves that you were incorrect last week when you felt that J. Jonah Jameson might be feeling for Peter. (laughs) Peter feels okay. His conscience is now clear because he had those original fake photos and now it's kind of all evened out. Um, There are some awkward Betty Brant moments with Peter and the story wraps up there. 
Eddie, it says in the show notes you were supposed to toss it to me for a sponsor. You didn't toss it to me. I so. didn't toss it. To, what? I'm messing up the show notes again? <laughs> you only have like three things to do on this podcast <laughs> and you're messing them up. <laughs> Let me get the sponsor real quick and then we'll get back to talk about what you thought about the issue. Today's sponsor is Forest Hills Bank. We'll hop when you ask for figures. Keep your money safe with our time lock safes. Keep your fortune safe with Forest Hills Bank. Member FDIC. Eddie, we needed a new sponsor because last week you insulted our sponsor. I mean, if they're still using their electric safe and electros in town, I how like I don't know I don't know if that's a really good thing to put in your ad <laughs> if you were just robbed by electro. Um, in the Spider-Man issue, but you know, I, FDIC, it's all, um, it's all, all okay. They, everybody can yep. recover the money no matter what happens. Uh, so plus, it says we'll keep your money safe with electric time lock safes. Oh, okay, I mean, that alone should make you feel comfortable. Um, okay, Eddie, uh, what did you uh, think of the issue? I, I mean, I, I liked all the character development that happened overall, all throughout this issue. Um, this, this Aunt May mystery surgery that took place was a uh, kind of mystifying to me i really was interested to hear what happened to her and uh, correct me if i'm wrong james b like we just know she had a surgery she got better and she went to florida which seems a little abrupt for like a pretty um, well serious i think you're surgery. again you're 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 jumping ahead am i she, skipping she's, ahead here she's not in florida in issue nine no uh we we do oh. meet dr bromwell so let's see if you can screw up anything else here at the end um <laughs> Do you want to share your uh, dated references? Do you have any? I'm ready. I'm ready. I do love a good dated reference, everyone. And this one's a pretty cliche one that I'm sure everybody's heard of. Parker, you little old son of a gun. Um, I, I like this reference because it's it's such a common one. But inspired by you last uh, episode, James B., I had to look up what son of a gun was. Uh, any idea what the um, what this reference is, James B.? I have no idea. No idea. All right. So it, British, the British Navy in the... 18th century um, allowed their their um, admirals and officers to uh, bring their wives on missions, and it's referencing when a, when one of their wives would give birth between two of the cannons on the lower deck, and they would call the child a son of a gun. Um, so that that's my dated reference and a little information, as far as I can tell. That's what it means to be a son of a gun. Thank you so much for enlightening us. Um, I want to do our shocking panel and our closing thoughts. I I was really excited about Electro uh, I, from what I remembered as a kid. But after reading this, I was not as excited. Uh, I did like the part where he initially tricks J. Jonah Jameson by taking the pictures that aren't real, the fake photos, and, you know, uh, and tricks him against the money. Um, and then he takes the real photo and he... And he gives it to J. Jonah Jameson. And that sets up my shocking panel because J. Jonah Jameson's got the photos and he's like, ah, 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 you know, like that, that you fool. And it's just, he looks really evil and it seems like a new level of low. I never thought of J. Jonah Jameson like as such a villain as I did when I see him uh, in this panel. Uh, that's my shocking panel. What about you? Yeah, mine is a J. Jonah Jameson one, too. And it's the one where, like, the cigar falls out of his mouth when he realizes that Spider-Man is Spider -Man is around again. And J. Jonah Jameson, I mean, really, like, he really, like, just like you, I the the amount of emotions. And I really like the artistry all throughout this. Um, I, the man just doesn't have kind of, like, 
an even emotion ever, I feel like. He's either angry or sad or shocked or whatever it is to the extremes. And I really feel like um, that's that's for me was like one of the most interesting things, if not the most interesting in this particular comic. So mine is the cigar flying out of J. Jonah Jameson's right. mouth as he looks up and sees Spider-Man. So we are going to move on to the next issue and move on to The Amazing Spider-Man 10 with a cover date of March 1964. Uh, the Enforcers are the main characters, and they're also on the cover. The Enforcers are not well-known, having not been in any mainstream Spider-Man films. Eddie, the first half of the book sets up a new mob boss called the Big Man. Those who have not seen him, he looks like Destro from G.I. Joe. It's a great reference. <laughs> and he's got the high-collar outfit on. Uh, in the beginning, the Big Man has a heist, and word gets around that Spider-Man is unable to stop the heist. We are shown the people on the streets and they are displeased with Spider-Man and we cut back to the big man and the enforcers doing what they want, essentially building a reputation. Peter's worried about Aunt May and the decision he has to make, could he safely give her a blood transfusion? After some hesitation, he decides ultimately to go ahead and give her the blood transfusion. The uh, the radioactive spider blood does Aunt May good. She pops up and heads off to Florida, just as Eddie had predicted one issue earlier. <laughs> Uh, Betty Brant leaves work and is harassed for some unknown reason by the Enforcers. Peter tries to get involved, but he can't show off that he's Spider-Man, so he kind of gets bullied a little bit. And Betty, true to form, doesn't want Peter to get involved because, as I mentioned earlier, she has this aversion to heroic men. Spider-Man shakes down a stooge to find out the Enforcers' location. He tells him um, where they are. Uh, Spider-Man goes and starts beating up the Enforcers, but then he realizes he's really, really weak because he gave that blood transfusion uh, earlier. And he has to bail on the fight. Uh, these enforcers, Eddie, we, we need to talk about who they are. There's three of them. Uh, which one do you like? Which one do you not like? Who's your favorite? Who's your least favorite? Give me some news on the enforcers. After all, the book is named after them. Who do you like? Uh, you know, I, I as usual, I like to go for kind of the oddest one. And I feel strongly that it is Montana. I mean, besides the fact that I like his hat, I know cowboy times are kind of done, Montana. I know cowboys were like big around this vintage, but at the same time, everybody's got a gun pretty much in all these things. And I, I can't totally understand how the rope works better than a gun, but to Montana's credit, he seems to have some big moments and some big moments where he really wields this rope effectively against Spider-Man and against a whole bunch of kind of different things in different situations. So I, I'm going to go with... Uh, Montana and his big 10-gallon hat there. What about you, James B.? Well, let me ask you this. Before I tell you my favorite, who is your least favorite? Uh, my least favorite is going to be Montana, but who is your least favorite of the three? I'm going to go I, my the hatless ox. Um, I'm, I'm sticking with the three hats here, and the ox is my least favorite. I just, I guess there's always got to be like a big guy, but like other than the time he's getting punched and he's eating an apple while he's getting punched, I'm just not a big fan of the ox uh, overall. I don't, I don't mind Fancy Dan and his judo, and then the big man and his his amazing mask, uh, and being the mastermind there through there. So, yeah, the ox, not not so much for me. Okay, I feel exactly the opposite because Montana, although he in one panel does lasso two people at once, somehow he's terrible. He can't use his rope effectively. He's just terrible. Wait till I do the summary part two later and you see how terrible he is. He's no ox. Eating an apple while he's being punched by three people and still eating the apple while he's fighting them is just amazing. Ox is definitely my favorite. The fact that he can be so indifferent to being punched in a fight, that's just excellent. 
He's just a big dude, though. Who can eat an apple while taking a punch. <laughs> okay, so now that we know the enforcers better, let's finish up our story here. Peter decides he needs to find out where the big man is, so he starts talking all over town like, hey, I know who the big man is. And even Flash Thompson shows he's worried about Peter talking this much. Flash says uh, something like, don't say that. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Yeah. But it works. Um, and they actually send the enforcers to drag Peter Parker into a car. They lock up in jail. And Peter decides, hey, I'll just change into Spider-Man in this jail. They'll never put two and two together. Right. <laughs> so there's a fight. And since now he's in their headquarters, the fight is a huge battle with all kinds of people. It goes on for 37 panels of fighting. And Eddie, I did some work for us here. Of the 37 panels of fighting, how many do you think have at least one of the enforcers in the panel? I'm going to give you a hint. It's not all 37. I mean, if it's the issue, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for 20. I'm not looking. 22. 22. Eddie, they're in seven, Eddie. <laughs> Your boy Montana is in two. Uh, one, he throws the lasso and then Spider-Man throws a barrel at him and he runs away yelling, this is going to hit me. He's not in a single <laughs> other panel. The most is actually only three by Fancy Dan. Spider-Man fights nameless goons and not the enforcers, not including the big man who does appear in a couple uh, panels. Um, it's seven, Eddie, seven. This doesn't include panel 38, which has all three of them raising their hands, surrendering to the cops. <laughs> the enforcers are just mixed in here with other people, like just random losers. How amazing. <laughs> it turns out in the end that the big man is Frederick Foswell, who we just happened to meet in this book as a scrawny, soft-spoken character working at the Daily Bugle. And that way we're surprised um, that he was the big man, but he was wearing a padded jacket. Right. He had lifts in his shoes. And he was yeah. the one character who earlier just happened to have a speaking part in the book. Uh, Eddie, what do you think of the reveal? I like went back. I'm like, Foswell, who's this guy? And then as I kept reading, I'm like, oh... I see. Yeah, after Foswell's reveal, that's kind of all that really happens there. Uh, I did have some notes on three things that I thought were important in the issue. The use of the spider signal, the use of how to make a giant fake spider, and J. Jonah Jameson reveals how he feels about Spider-Man and why. Um, which of those three do you want to talk about? I'm going to go for J. Jonah Jameson reveals why he hates Spider-Man, because this is, this is an intense moment for sure. It's really like... As stated before, I, I feel J. Jonah Jameson, he, there's never like an even kind of quality about this guy. He, he seems to get so massively depressed towards the end here. And the fact I, that he is um, jealous of Spider-Man, essentially, um, it, it's a really intense thought. I, I mean, I know, I know how I feel about it. How do you feel about this J. Jonah Jameson reveals James B., or do you want me to talk about it? Why don't you read uh, what it says in the book? I, sure, I'll read this section right here. It's really intense. Spider-Man represents everything that I'm not. He's brave, powerful, and unselfish. The truth is, I envy him. I, J. Jonah Jameson, millionaire, man of the world, civic leader. Civic leader? Anyways, I'd give everything I own to be that man, the man that he is. But I can never climb to his level, so all that remains for me is to try to tear him down. This is, this is a really dark like way to kind of twist this. Because heaven help me, I'm jealous of him. Uh, it, I just really don't like this overall. I don't know about you, um, James B., but like this really bothers me that J. Jonah Jameson has this big reveal that he is jealous of Spider-Man. 
I actually feel exactly the opposite. I needed to know why J. Jonah Jameson is trying to tear down Spider-Man. Why he's like, oh, Spider-Man must be Electro. Spider-Man is working with Doc Ock. Um, I needed some explanation. He's going to put, oh, Spider-Man is in cahoots with Doctor Doom. At least I can be like, oh, I know why. He's he's jealous. Um, so it helped me. Do you want to talk about the... Um, uh, building the spider out of the webs. The J. Jonah Jameson reveal was such a big moment, but I really wrote down, like, what can Spider-Man, what can't he make using his web on the fly? Like, if you look inside of the fake spider, there there are, like, boards in there. Like, <laughs> Right. And, yeah. and, yeah, but it's, like, such a, it's, like, Give me three popsicle sticks, and I'll create you an entire giant spider. I mean, it's incredible. It's barely anything. That's... He could, he could, I, I, he, I'm sorry. He can make a parachute as he's falling, you know, with the vulture. Like, once again, I mean, I think Aunt May is a master knitter slash sewer, and this is just rubbed off on Peter Parker. I know he complained about fixing his costume, but I think there's just a long line of, like, expert tailors in the family here. <laughs> I'm going to go back on my Uncle Ben profession to being a tailor. Okay, so Spider-Man's Uncle Ben is now not a bus driver. He was a tailor. Hey, um, Spider-Man couldn't recover very well after his blood transfusion, but Aunt May did. What do you think about that? I, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know how to feel about this because I it you know what? For me, it was like, uh, the enforcers are kind of not too tricky for Spider-Man. So... He's going to have to remain weak with his lack of spider blood to kind of make this a better fight. I'm afraid it didn't hold up to the story particularly well. Um, you know, Spider-Man becoming weak because he lost some blood. I mean, the doctors does say it'll take a few days for him to recover. So my only problem is that Aunt May is in better shape than Spider-Man after the surgery. I think that's a loophole. Um, we're going to move on to a segment that you enjoy very much. It's... Eddie's dated references, and you can do as many as you want because I'm not going to do any today, so you can do more than one. I know you really, really like doing these. Because <laughs> I do like... I do, do like, like them so much. I do like them, an eager an eager beaver. I'm an eager beaver for my own segment, which is in this comic, which I do particularly enjoy. And the, the blue coats of the, of the police, referring to the police as the blue coats coming in, which is an interesting kind of sidetrack too um, that I, I looked up. But the guy in the flagpole got away scot-free. This is another classic kind of, uh, I'm sure you've heard this, James B. I got away, he got away scot-free. I have. Yeah, it, I, as far as I can tell, this, this is an ancient reference to like not paying your taxes is what it seems to, what's it, what it seems to kind of boil down to that uh, scot-free you're getting away with not having to pay taxes to somebody at some point, but very, very ancient reference. It was interesting to see. We're talking like the Vikings didn't pay their taxes to somebody. So many, many hundreds of years ago. So those, those are my three kind of favorite ones um, that I had throughout here, but I do like, I like uh, free reign of dated references. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about is I think we're going to have to start tracking the ladies in Peter Parker's life. Um, Betty Brant and Liz Allen are the two that come to mind. They're starting to take significant roles within the world of Peter Parker. So Liz Allen first, Peter had asked her on a date and then she, he was unavailable, I think. And then he called her back later and then she couldn't go out with him anymore. Uh, she's really into Spider-Man right now. I think that's her role in the show. 
But I think her role with Peter is pretty much diminished now. I mean, she's into Flash Thompson as well, which makes it even more complicated. And Peter's really focusing on Betty Brant um, instead. There seems to be something going on with them. But in many ways, she's just into him a lot more. Um, Eddie, do you have any thoughts about Betty Brant? She, I, I think she's pretty into Peter. She got, I mean, she got very upset that he would go and be reckless in some manner. But um, I mean, they're they're together a lot in many different um, different panels all throughout this this comic and the previous one. And I mean, she seems to be a really big part of the story developing all throughout here, um, which which. I, I assume they're going to be much more involved with each other. I mean, you're going to have you're going to have to tell me a little more about Betty Brant, James B. Well, her turn from not even knowing who Peter was a few issues ago to life is so meaningless, so empty without Peter. He's all I ever wanted. I have to see this through alone because I can't risk the life of the boy I love. And she's like, no one else can help me except for Spider-Man. But what's the chance of that happening? And she's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, when she's all, yeah. The one good thing about having Betty Brant is it adds another layer of mystery because this this issue was, who's the big man? And try to resolve that mystery. And then what's going on with Betty Brant? And that mystery wasn't resolved. So I want to read the next issue where other issues might have been like, how do I stop Dr. Doom? How do I stop the lizard? How do I stop the vulture? But I, I like this formula better because I, I want to keep going now. Yeah, let's so, read them. Yes, Eddie, let's read them. Uh, why don't we read 300 and do a podcast while we're at it? Um, after the after the close today, I'm going to read you, Eddie, a letter from the original uh, Amazing Spider-Man 10 that was written about uh, a certain character that you care about. But for now, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, I'm James B., joined by... Eddie. And you've been listening to Let's Read Spider-Man. to the editor it's about the lizard hey there you go okay we'll do one of our lizard ones we can end it on a positive for you uh john writes dear stan and steve you really had something with the lizard he was the most worthy villain to match wits there we go man there we go the reason i liked him so much is because i liked his origin also i liked the subplot where spider-man had to save the good doctor who would turn into a lizard yet had to rid the world of the lizard. It is these subplots that really add to the story, so keep them up. In future issues, I hope you won't bring back Dr. Doom because I dislike the way that Steve Dicko draws him. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, anyway, Spider-Man remains the greatest superhero since the Human Torch.